Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 19 of Farscape. Yeah, we're in the home stretch. Episode 19. We're so screwed. Part 1, Fetal Attraction. Okay, A, boo. Boo on that title. Boo. Okay, so first of all... We don't boo Farscape titles when our other podcast is Charmed out there. Yes, I know we've talked it to death on our Charmed podcast, but I can mention it here. Womb Raider is coming up in short order. You know, I love when our Charmed podcast and our Farscape podcast, like, link up. Okay, how are these two very, very, very different shows both feature... How are they both featuring stealing a fetus from someone and putting it into someone else as part of their season four finale? How is that a weird common link between these two shows? I wish I had thought to remember that that was a common link when we started this four years ago or, you know, however long ago. Because holy shit, how is that something that happens in both of these shows? Someone takes a fetus from one woman and then magic slash scientifically transfers it into a different woman. What? So, uh, lest you forget, Aaron is with child. Yes, as a reminder, Aaron is with child with a different read by a different actress in the previously on. Well, we talked about it last week, how the actress, how the the Sebastian henchwoman says Aaron is with child last week, and that's what they used on this one. Instead of the iconic Naranti, Aaron is with child. I'm sure you're sick of me doing it, it, so I won't, You know, it is an iconic line read. Also, Erin is still captured and the rest of the crew is going to go rescue her. Yes. She's on her way to Tortuga or whatever. Kotratsky. Kotratsky. So they're all going to go there. Last episode, they went to the alternate universe so they could figure out where Kotratsky was. Foo. Unnecessary. Bad plot. I, I love last episode except for the stupid alternate universe thing. You know what would have been better? I said it last week. I'll say it again. They found someone who escaped or they found one of the guards from Katrotsky or they had to track someone down. Like, Not the stupid universe where everyone is a different species for some reason. Even Scorpius was on my side that that doesn't make any goddamn sense. I, your argument that the like... S&M alien monster was on your side? I don't know. I don't know if that's what you should be hanging your hat on. Hey, he's not good. He's not nice. He's just right. All right. And with that Into the Woods reference. (laughs) Yeah. We're all over the map here. We really are. We really are. Or fetuses flying through the air. We're Into the Woods references. We're in uncharted territories. We're... (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's what I did. Although technically we're in tormented space. Fair. What a weird thing to introduce as a concept and then never use again. Yeah, not, it's not really a thing, is it? Like, it was minorly inconvenient for, like, one, two episodes, and then they might as well just be back in uncharted territories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for all of the aliens that are around that are races we've already seen, these territories feel pretty fucking charted. Wait, no. Untormented? We're, we're dealing with the same torments. I mean, it's the same torments as elsewhere in the universe. I know it's because it's harder for ships to fly, but then Moya got, like, rain pants or whatever, and it was fine. Same torment, different day? Uh, so, 
Yeah, they're going to break Aaron out of, uh, well, she's not at the base yet, right? She's still in transport, so they're like, okay, instead of breaking into the unbreakable base, we'll just intercept her before she reaches there. Well, okay, she's not on Katrazi yet, but she's on, like, well, she's actually not in the station yet either, but there's a space station, and the plan is they're going to go to the space station that her ship is going to, the ship she's been kidnapped and being held on, so they're going to go there at the same time. Hey, this is also where, you know, finding a guard at Katrotsky would have been, like, more, it would have made more sense logically for how we got from point A to point B. Oh, all prisoners have to go through X before going to Katrotsky, instead of just, here's the vague area Katrotsky's in. Yeah, yeah. Not to Monday morning quarterback, like, 20 years later. So, John's doing his favorite thing, which is dressing up like a peacekeeper for mission reasons. I wonder if he's going to be British. Actually, Inexplicably British. He actually doesn't do a weird accent in this episode. I feel like Ben Browder was like, okay, well, this is serious. I can't do a weird accent. Oh, when has that ever stopped him before? He's had some of his weirdest accents during, I guess, mental breakdowns, which is the time to put on a weird accent. I thought you were going to say... We're at the end of season four and Ben Browder's weird accented out. Yeah, he's actually not, which is strange. So they have to go to this like space station because it's like quarantine procedures. That's the deal, right? I guess they're really worried about some disease on Katrazzi. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I've or. Not that they probably care about their prisoners, because, you know, coming in dead on arrival is a normal thing, but you don't want your guards to get sick. Right, and well, I guess it makes sense if you're bringing in all sorts of different aliens from all sorts of different places to have a central hub where everyone has to quarantine before they can go onto the planet itself. It's just between kind of the brutal treatment of a pregnant woman and the, like, quarantine, like, this episode is very 2020s for an episode that's... Mm. You know, 20 years old. Yeah. John is dressing up as a peacekeeper. I just, it, it it makes less sense now than it did back in the day when they were in the Uncharted Territories. It's I just mean, like, John, being a peacekeeper isn't going to give you more cachet now. Well, especially because they're trying to infiltrate... A Scarin base? Yeah, the guys that the peacekeepers are literally at war with. Hmm, how can I best infiltrate this Nazi camp? I know, by dressing as a British soldier. See, it's funny that you did that, because one of the things that makes me kind of uncomfortable with John, with the being obsessed with disguising himself as a peacekeeper thing, is that since the peacekeepers are space fascists, it's like, John, stop putting... I know, I know Hugo Boss looks good on everybody, but there are implications. Stop. Okay, so I, I, I guess actually in this metaphor the uh, scarens are the communists yeah the scarens would be like mussolini yeah a and john's dressing up as a nazi oh my god this is this is the this is why you can't do real world parallels to nope nope that's a metaphor i wholeheartedly regret embarking upon well that's the thing about space fascists it was easier it was more palatable, I guess, to do space fascist metaphors, you know. In the before times. In the before times. I want to point out one of the running gags in my sci-fi comic. Yeah? 
the uh, further adventures of Astro Astralovich, is that the universe is ruled by a series of different fascist governments who all disagree with what they actually own. Which I was going to make a joke about in one of the cops, you know, in one of the comics before you informed me that basically Rick and Morty had made that exact joke, which is why I try to limit the amount of comedic sci-fi I watch because I don't want to know if someone else has made a joke that I'm going to make. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It ruins it for me. It's fine if I make the same joke as someone else, but I can't do it consciously. The... The joke was going to be the, yeah. The, the yeah. fact, yeah, the fact that, like, basically every civilization ends up defaulting to fascism in space. And unfortunately, oftentimes in, you know, yep. Earth. But, which, you know, makes sense because space stuff is all made up based off of stuff from Earth, so. Right, right. It's like, it's so weird how, how all of these alien races who are so different from us, who would have completely different concepts of existence, all have generally recognizable civilizations. I think it's really, all... I think it's really interesting how everyone in the future is interested in Earth pop culture from around the time that it currently is. That is, that's wild, true, too. No, they're, they're interested in pop culture from about... 20 to 10 to 20 years before the time that it takes place because that's the nostalgia sweet spot of whoever's writing it yeah everyone in classic uh trek was into stuff from you know the 20s everyone from 90s trek was into stuff from the 70s yep like star trek i guess was that from the 60s or yeah but also you just blew my mind yeah Yeah, that's why it took place in the future of the future, so they could be weirdly obsessive about all of the people who lived however many years ago. They are! Yeah. And then each successive generation is just obsessed with the one that came before. Um, except when they take place during the same generation. Like how, uh, I guess Lower Decks takes place between Next Gen and Picard, right? Yeah. Like it predates Picard. Yes, it does. So do you think that means that uh, Rutherford is going to be killed in the, like... Oh, no. Robot purge? I guess probably not. No, because he's, he's a cyborg. He just has cyborg enhancements. Will they take but he might, away? He might take him away. Mm. Yeah. But they're Vulcan. Like, his enhancements are Vulcan in nature. Like, I feel like Vulcan might step in. So it, it wasn't, like, a Federation thing. I just meant the tech is Vulcan. Mm. So I feel like, I don't know. I, the Vulcans stand for a lot less shit than, than we do. But don't they, like, run the Federation? Shouldn't they be like, hey, don't kill all robots or whatever? Or are they like, no, it's logical that you kill all robots I or think, whatever? I think they think it's logical to kill all robots after the robot uprising. No, well, maybe they should have been less shitty to robots. Right? Or is that the moral of that? Okay, I, I, I can't really talk about Picard. Because you haven't seen it? Because or... I've only watched season one of Picard, and I understand that season two was a shit show, and season three is going to blow my mind. So I can't really talk about it right now. I need to watch it all first. Okay. I did get spoiled for one thing that... I, I don't even want to hint at the thing I got spoiled for already. Q gets pregnant. No, but I will say it is a Q-related thing, because I was going to say I was spoiled for a thing that's going to radically affect our next podcast, Welcome to the Q-Continuum. Well, not our next podcast. Our next podcast is a secret mini-series, and then after the secret mini-series, our next podcast is 
Welcome to... Do we decide welcome to the Sunset Strip or welcome to Studio 60? I think Sunset Strip. That sounds better, right? So then our next podcast is Welcome to the Sunset Strip, where we talk about Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, but only until we get to the Christmas episode and then we are done because it stops being good after that. Good being a relative term. It stops being fun to talk about after that. Yes. And then we're going to do another season of our secret mini, uh, our mini episode podcast. And then we'll do Welcome to the Q Continuum. So basically we've got a lot of Come back in a couple of years and we'll talk about John Delancey. Uh, we're going to have to talk about the episode of My Little Pony he was on. I mean. Did you say we're going to get to talk about the episode of My Little Pony he was on? That might have been what you heard. <laughs> I mean, he w- he was on multiple ones, but I think we should just talk about one. Well, he was well, like a reoccurring character on that show. So what we should do is we should hit. Uh, what I think we should do is we should hit all the Q episodes in like the Trek proper TV shows. And then like the Q novels. And then we should do john delancey in various tv shows but just like one episode per tv show right so well, well only ones where he's playing an omnipotent being so most of them so all of them yeah. yeah like so we'll talk about his character on uh days of our lives but we'll just talk about we won't talk about like every episode of days of our lives that he's in we'll just talk about that one we'll have one episode where we talk about that was he omnipotent on that yes wait does that fit into him being q is there like a weird fan theory about him being q on that show yes okay not not on that show. On every show he appears in, including that one. Okay. And then we'll talk about him. Well, you know what's good? We don't have to talk about him in Charmed because we have our Charmed podcast for that. Yeah. Or I guess we, we probably should do just like, we should probably do that anyway, though. I don't know. So we'll talk about him in Charmed and then we'll do one episode where we talk about him on My Little Pony. And then I think we'll be done with John Delancey forever after that. Probably. Oh God! What if he listens to it? He probably he probably name searches, right? Do you think he name searches himself? He seems like the sort of person who probably would. He's absolutely the kind of person who would name search himself. But luckily, it's a podcast, so it would be harder. Yeah, it'll be harder. I don't know. It's a podcast that's specifically about a character he plays. <laughs> oh man! I'm sure he will show up on the SEO of that at some point. Yeah, I guess. What was even happening on Farscape? Okay, so they're going to rescue Aaron from, like, the pre-Katrotsky, like, star base or whatever. And John is dressing up like a Nazi. Oh, for, right, that's how we got here. For no reason. For no reason. He's like, I'll dress as a peacekeeper. And Scorpius is like, the Scarens are at war with the peacekeepers. And John's like, I'll dress like a peacekeeper. And John... Pilot's here to be like, hey, I, I need to get a few lines every episode, otherwise I don't get paid. Yeah, especially now that Crease is dead. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> I made it into the episode, now you have to pay me. So, there's this moment where Pilot refers to Scorpius as Captain Wentrek, and Chiana's like, what? And they tell her, you know, we're not sure the comms are secure, and we want, so from now on we're talking as though we are who we're pretending to be. And she says, our comms are secure. And John gives, like, a significant look to Scorpius and says, let's pretend they aren't. Because remember, Scorpius was eavesdropping on him and Aaron through the comms. Not that any of that came to anything, because the whole thing was he can't know that Aaron's pregnant. And then she was, like, immediately kidnapped after that. That came to nothing. Yeah, and John had that whole thing where he was being mean to Aaron so that Scorpius wouldn't figure it out, which, come on, John. Seriously, come on, John. Yeah, all of that was for nothing. Is he even on drugs anymore? No, no. 
So we just dropped that. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm just not taking that mind-altering substance anymore, and I'm suffering no ill effect from having done that. Well, Aaron made him get off of it. I, I, And I guess that was easy. Anyway, they go on to the station, and they learn that they have to lock their guns up. No weapons on board. I really like that Scorpius is like, because the person's like, why is there a peacekeeper? Isn't, like, I, I get you're half scaring, so... You know, we're cool, but what's with the peacekeeper? And Scorpius is like, he's my kept boy. Like, I like having him because it's humiliating to the peacekeepers for me to have one of their own under my control. He also says that he's spying for the Scarens. So, he he does have a, he does have a... a, a non-sexual explanation for what John's doing here. Not that there's any non-sexual explanation for anything Scorpius does, but yes. Also, I want to point out that this station is run by people who are the same race as Sokozu, and that's, like, kind of the thing. We already knew that Sokozu, you know, worked for the Scarens, and that that was kind of her thing, and this is, you know, another thing showing that their race is kind of a subservient race to... It's weird, because they have... They kind of... They don't exactly have the dual superiority thing, but they really don't come off like a subjugated race, even though I guess they technically are. Well, when we talked about why we preferred Sokozy to Jewel, it's that she didn't think of herself as superior. She wasn't like, I am a Kalish supremacist the way Jewel was. She just had a lot of physical, has a lot of physical superiority to the other races, she can do things like shift her center of gravity and learn languages and all that shit. And it's just constantly surprised that other people can't do it, which kind of makes sense to me because a race that you would want to keep around to do your work, you would want them to have that kind of stuff, but you would also want them to not realize that, hey, wait, there's there's more of us than there are of them. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, the dynamic between the Scarens and these people. Because these people clearly work for the Scarens, but aren't, like, afraid of them like the other races we've seen interact with the Scarens are. Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, a worker bee kind of thing happening. I, I guess they probably treat them differently. It's... I mean, there's there's probably a kind of cachet that comes from being, you know... That useful. That useful. So... Down on the planet, or I guess it's not a planet, it's a it's a station. Uh, they check their guns. John brought the DRD-1812 with him to keep an eye on the gun. And we... They also have weapons. They, they, should, they should have taken the DRD. It's like, okay, you can't bring your gun, but you can bring your little robot dog that's full of guns. That's a cool thing to bring. I mean, to be fair, DRDs only have the little, like, pew-pews. But yeah, yeah. That was kind of why I wanted to mention that he had 1812 with him. It would have been interesting if DRDs didn't normally have weapons, but uh, 1812 did because he was one of Talon's. That would have been a cool, like, subversion so they didn't know that the DRD had weapons. Yeah, that would have been. But that would have taken a lot of pre-planning for a very minor thing. Yeah, also 1812 wasn't Talon's. Uh, yeah, he was from that other Leviathan that died that John was living on. Yeah. In between seasons that one time. Yeah. Yeah, if we'd established that DRDs didn't normally have weapons, and for some reason theirs did, that would that would be a good twist right now in this episode, but that's not where we're going. Anyway. Bring your gun dog in. 
Bang, bang, bang. Sorry, go on. Sakosa's been on the station for a while, kind of meeting everybody, figuring things out, gathering information. Yeah, she's totally going to bang this dude who works there. Yes, she is. She's like, so, how experienced with alien tongues are you? Well, I mean, he's, they're the same race. It, It was an oral sex joke. Yeah, but... I know, they're the same alien race, but, like... I mean, the question is really, like, how... Oh, you know what, what I would say? I would say, I, I see that you, that, like me, you've, you've mastered many foreign tongues. How are you with a familiar one? Hmm. That's... that's... I'm sorry. She's made me think of the bit from that one treehouse of horror. <laughs> you've mas- I see you've mastered a dead language. Uh, you've mastered or a, a dead, dead, dead tongue. tongue. Let's see you handle a live one. Well, now I have to have sex with a classics major so that I can use that as a sex line. I have to warn you, they're probably nerds, so they'll recognize the reference. <laughs> if they don't, then I won't what have sex to- with them. You know, uh, you know, John Waters' big thing was that if you go home with somebody and they don't have books, you shouldn't fuck them. Yes. I think if uh, you go home with someone and they don't get your Simpsons references, you shouldn't fuck them. Yeah. I feel like that's a good cutoff point for the two of us sexually. Anyway, like, if you are if you are a Spongebob meme person and not a Simpsons meme person, that would be the age cutoff. Oh, yeah. That's so much more reliable than, like, half your age plus seven. Is that what it is, half your age plus seven? Yeah. Yeah, that's so much more reliable than that. It's like, which show, which cartoon do you meme? Yeah, what's coming up after SpongeBob? What are, what are the Gen Zs doing? Oh God, I don't know. I mean, again, because I don't really interact with Gen Z at all. I don't want to sound like an old person, but I understand that the Gen Zs don't have sex. Is is that possibly why? Is there is there a <laughs> correlation between memeing cartoons and having sex? Wait, what? Was that the line? From, was it the line from American Auto? Everyone's bisexual, but no one ever has sex. That was the line from American. I- yeah, that was the line from American Auto, describing Gen Z. Yeah, they're all too busy with their TikToks and their. God, I do not get TikTok. I, I know you're TikTok. into it now, but every time you show me a TikTok, I just it's static. It's static in front of my face. What about what, what about this morning when I showed you Dinah the dining car? That was just a clip. You could have shown me a YouTube video and it would have been essentially the same thing. It was just a clip from a musical. It's not that thing where they like snap and they're wearing different clothes or whatever. Oh my god, I love a transition. I love I love I love transition videos. Not to sound a million years old, but everything people do on TikTok would have gotten you beat up when I was in high school. <laughs> you do sound a million years old. They don't beat you up in high school anymore. I've heard that. But like Seriously, if you posted a, a video of yourself, like, snapping and then you were in different clothes, people would laugh you to death. Actually, one of the things that they're doing right now is uh, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, and there's, like, a costume change on every beat. I'm sorry, it just sounds like <laughs> the dorkiest thing on Earth. And I know that's me. That's me. It's the cool thing. To Again, The Simpsons, it'll happen to you. <laughs> Okay, the other thing that you need to understand about TikTok is that it has a scary good algorithm. It's not just that it gave me a video that I could have found on YouTube, which, by the way, I couldn't have because I had specifically been looking for the Dinah the Dinah Car video and hadn't been able to find one. It's that TikTok knew 
that I would want to see the Dina the Dinocar video and put it in front of my face, even though it wasn't posted by anyone I follow. That's the thing about TikTok. The, the joke on TikTok is, I don't know why it took me 30 years to realize I was bisexual. TikTok knew in 15 minutes. We really don't want to talk about this episode of Farscape. So here's the thing about this episode of Farscape. It's fine. It's a lot of table setting. For the episode where they rescue Aaron, I feel like it sh- I should have stronger feelings about it than I do. But I don't. Okay, look, we could legitimately just sum up the rest of this episode in two sentences. They rescue Aaron but lose Scorpius, and so they need to go back for Scorpius. I'm sorry, that was one sentence. It had a lot of commas in it, though. I think that about does it for this week. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing else significant happens. Okay, wait, outside. no, that's not true. There, there's a couple, there are a couple of things we should talk about. Yeah, well, we find out about the fetus swapping machine. Oh, yeah, no, I meant, I meant the welcome to Moya moment. Okay. After John gets Aaron back and he's like, it's okay, you're on Moya now. No, when Naranti's like, oh, I killed a man. Oh, yeah. And Raj's like, yeah. Welcome to Moya. Okay, that does not fit in with Nor- Naranti's killed a ton of people. She shoved John off a cliff that one time. I mean, it didn't stick, but like. I mean, the difference. You, let's talk about it when we get there. Okay. So, yeah. Sakosu's like, hey, so I'm totally going to deflect because I want to hang out here and like bang that dude who's the same species as me. And John's like, yeah, he's not going to make it till the end of the episode. Come on. Come on. You know how this works. Yeah, she's being all flirty and John's being all gruff dad guy in the corner. Well, he needs to get over to her to get information from her, but they have to pretend they don't know each other because he's supposed to be a peacekeeper spy. So they kind of wander over to the same spot and... They they go to the milk machine. I mean, I guess it does other stuff. It's a food creator or something? Like... I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a... I guess it's like a replicator... That makes more sense, because this is a sci-fi show. I was thinking of it as an automat. Well, I mean, yeah, kind of. It, it's this weird thing where you put your hand on this, like, glowing handprint, which is, for some reason, mostly human-shaped, even though this is the Scarin thing, right? Shouldn't they have, like... Their hands are hand-shaped? With the five fingers? Oh, and... I guess they have, like, claws and stuff. No, no, it's because it's... Because it's uh, Sokozu's people. Oh, yeah, and they, they have hand-shaped hands. Yeah weird yeah you'd think that it would be like ai and you know all the different alien species would have different numbers of fingers i'm sorry star trek didn't use that to make aliens more alien more often that seems like that would be pretty cheap to do different numbers of fingers yeah you just have to have like prosthetic over the hands you know oh most people in the universe have you know four fingers but one of them's really thick in the middle looks more alien i mean more than the forehead ridges right I feel like it's equal. It's equal. Okay, so... Aaron is on the ship, and... Aaron is with Tortured. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, right right now in America, in 2023, after the, uh, after the fall of Roe, Ro, yeah. it, was, it was really hard to watch a thing about a pregnant woman being denied bodily autonomy, which is what's happening. Because they're, uh, they're certain that her baby will have the epigenetic memory of wormholes and therefore- Bullshit! I'm sorry, it's the dumbest plot contrivance. 
Her baby's going to have genetic memories of how wormholes work. Well, they you don't know how it worked when they implanted it onto John. So if it's like implanted onto all of his DNA, then that means it's implanted on all of his DNA, including his sperm that he shoots into Aaron. <laughs> That's the grossest way you could describe it. <laughs> How would you describe it? Hey, okay, that's the grossest way. <laughs> what is it like? A, a sperm contains one point whatever gigabytes of information. Actually, what was that thing that was going around about that. I don't know. You could store the entire works of Shakespeare on a sperm. I'm pretty sure that's not true. Is that true? No, that's not true. That can't be true. Anyway, the Scarin captain comes in and John recognizes him from Sokozu's description. So they know that this is the guy. This is the guy who's holding Aaron. So probably boobs, wet lady. Yeah. So, although do we do we care about her? Is, no. she, is she an entity that we have to think about at all from this point on? No, we're done thinking about Graza. Bye, Graza. You were barely a character. Yeah. So Scorpius goes to talk to the Scarin, and it's one of those fancy Scarins that doesn't have a horse face. Well, yeah, definitely. He's like, "Hey, I'm on a secret mission, so uh, I need to get on your ship and see what other stuff you've got poking around on your ship." And the Scarin's like, yeah, no, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, half guy we're at war at. Like, I'm on a secret mission that requires me to see the stuff that's on your ship. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll let that happen. I mean, to be fair, he does, like, know Scarin military, like, spy codes or whatever. It's the sort of thing a spy would know, isn't it? Again! This is like the third time tonight you've blown my mind. It is the kind of thing a spy would know. Honestly, having John as his kept boy is probably not, you know, doing him any favors. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, meanwhile, we see Aaron on the ship and she's having all sorts of, like, drugged up dreams about John coming and, like, holding her hand while she's in labor. Like, she's not in labor, but that's, like, the the dream that she's having. Is that... it's It's a weirdly earth-like image of what labor is but now that i think about it she was on earth for a while so she probably saw a bunch of hallmark movies or whatever and also there probably aren't a lot of peacekeeper conceptions of labor because it's just a medical procedure you go in, it's like knee surgery there's not like there's there aren't a lot of stories around it you just go in and they take the baby out um but yeah. It's, it's a heartbreaking hard cut though cuz they cut from, you know, John holding her hand as as he strokes her belly as she's getting ready to give birth. Hard cuts back to her like reaching out to no one while the you know sebation woman who works for the Scarens is like, "Haha, you're going to die and your baby's going to be dissected for information." And Aaron's just like holding her hand out and Yeah. It is. It's rough. Yeah. Then we see that Sebation on the on the station, and John sees her and recognizes her again from Sokozu's description, and he decides he's gonna he's gonna move in and honeypot her. Yeah, 
he's going to seduce her with his manly ways and Rigel's like, eh, that's not going to work. You know what will work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, we're not at the honeypot yet. That is going to come later. But first, first, Rigel, like, throws up a lot. Yeah, he, he's he's stuffing his face and Chandler's like, really, right now? And he's like, no, it's part of a plan. And then we get to watch a puppet hork for like a minute and a half. It's really gross. Anyway, the the guy who runs the station comes to him and Rigel tells the guy that he just has dermophilica, a Hynerian disease. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And that guy's like, you know, that's super contagious, right? You know, this is a quarantine station. Like, the whole reason we're keeping you here is to make sure nobody has a disease, and now you've spread a disease to everybody. Thanks, buddy. Again, like I said, the kind of thing that's kind of uncomfortable to watch in 2023. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, just putting this out there, being able to vomit on cue is something I've repeatedly said would come in handy in a lot of different social situations. You have said that. Yeah. You know what I'm realizing now? You just want to be a squid. (laughs) You just want to be able to ink your enemies and run away. It's an instant out for any situation. No matter what the situation is, if you vomit, you can just leave. And everyone will know why. Like, being able to vomit on command would be... It's an instant out for all social situations, except in this case where it, you know, leads to them all being sealed in because quarantine. I, I would, I would, you know what? You are welcome. You are welcome to that superpower. I will pass on that particular superpower. Oh, if everyone got a superpower and that's what I got, I would be pissed. Don't get me (laughs) wrong. We just finished watching Extraordinary and... The main character in that TV show is on a quest to get her own superpower, even though a lot of people have superpowers that objectively suck. Yeah, like her boss is her superpower? I don't even really know if I would call it that. It's really more of a mutation, which is just that she turned into a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, not even she can go back and forth. She just became a child. She was an adult woman and she became a child. Her superpower is being a child. Her roommate's her roommate slash best friend's superpower is being able to talk to ghosts, which I feel like is really stretching superpowers. That's that's well, that that's wa- straight up fantasy stuff. Well, so is the dentist who has the power to. That power is fucking awesome. She has the power to turn someone's mood into ambient music. Yeah, whenever someone's around her, like there's a soundtrack. Again, that's not like it's not really a superpower. I mean, it is, but... Well, that one's kind of like a being able to read people's moods style of superpower, because she always knows how they're feeling based on the soundtrack. Or it's like uh, Phoebe's empathy, where, you know, you know what someone's feeling because Phoebe will loudly announce it to the entire room. It's funny that you said Phoebe, which makes sense because charmed is our thing, but that's that's really more of a Counselor Troy thing. Mm. So, anyway... Really don't want to talk about this episode. Legitimately, I'm gonna I'm gonna release a sub episode. As we were saying, Rigel gets very sick, and now he's gonna be quarantined. And listen, now that people aren't wearing masks, and there was someone coughing on the bus the other day, and he wasn't wearing a mask. Fuck that guy. I mean, not fuck Rigel because he's actually just pretending to be sick to cause a diversion. But you know, for for most people, fuck those guys. Yeah, we're still in a pandemic. Keep wearing your masks. Oh my God, we're barely 10 minutes into this episode. 
So they need to confirm that Rigel actually has the disease that he has before they lock everything down. Well, the Scarin is super, super angry that he can't take his prisoner, you know, down to Katrotsky because now he's stuck here. And he's trying to he's trying to bully the guy who runs the station and the guy who runs the station isn't going to be bullied because he's like, sorry, those are the rules. You got to suck it up. Again, this is that thing where this race is not particularly scared of the Scarens, because right, right. Well, and I mean, I'm sure he has the backing of other more powerful Scarens to, you know, do this. Hmm. But like, it's no one's surprised that this guy's standing up to a Scaren. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So they are trying to find any doctors or nurses. Is there is there a doctor in the house? And now is the time for Naranti to lie and say that she is a nurse. I guess that's not really a lie, is it? Yeah. She's just not, like, accredited or whatever. Licensed. But, you know, what kind of licensing board is there in Tormented Space? The Tormented Space Board of Healthcare Professionals. Anyway, Naranti shows up. And she's like, I am a nurse. I, I'm i a doctor in a manner of speaking. I can't, I love, I love Naranti so much. When she sees Rigel, she cartoonishly puts her finger to her lips like, shh, we've got this. They also, they so they run these tests on Rigel and they found out it is not the disease he said that he had. So. And Naranti's like, oh, we'll see about that. Yeah. She's like, let's run a couple more tests first. So the guy who runs the station is like, okay, well, we'll give it an hour, but if he doesn't actually show any symptoms in an hour, I'm going to lift the lockdown and we're all going to move on. So Naranti hurriedly makes up a... Poultice? A poultice? It's not a poultice, though, because she's going to make him eat it. And she asks him, you know, quietly, did he actually have dermophilia? And he says yes, and he lived. One of his wives did not live. Four of his wives did not live. Fuck. Yeah. He survived it, four of his wives did not. She gives him what appears to everyone else to be medicine, but what we will learn is actually the disease. Yeah, yeah, She's she decided to trick everyone into thinking that he had the disease by actually giving him the disease. She gave him a potion thing. Not a potion because it's solid, but she gave him a... Some wo- goop. Some goop that made the dormant bits of the disease become less dormant. Yep. Yep. Also, Dargo's here. And Dargo is not pleased to see the guy who was flirting with Sokozu now flirting with Chiana, like, a lot. Oh no, all of these people don't enjoy casual sex with other people. Well, in this case, it's more of a jealousy thing. Dargo's like, all right, I got this. And he's like, hey, Nabari, wanna come home with a Luxon? Wanna touch my face tentacles? Because they're my testicles. Get it? Those two words sound kind of alike. But for serious, these are my genitals on my face. And she does send the guy away. And they do have this moment where they're really close. And it's like, wait. Maybe she can be with him. Maybe he can actually forgive her for fucking his son. Remember, that's what she did. That's why they're not together. Yeah, it's been forever since we've talked about Jothy. It has been a while. And uh, Chiana's like, it, this is just the Koza's plan. We're just honeypotting him. Don't, don't be jealous. But 
Yeah, she she's kind of flirty though. Oh, she's a hundred percent flirty. Yeah, yeah, kind of, but different than the way she's just normally kind of flirty. Like, oh, Chiana would be Chiana would be back with Dargo in a second if he was up for it. So, Rigel's dying. Rigel's like, oh, I feel actually for real sick, and and you know, Naranchi's like, yeah, of course you do, because I made you for real sick. Yeah. So Naranti tells the commander of the station that. Rigel is sick, just like she said he was, and also the disease is super, super potent. Yeah. Contagious. And basically, not only is everyone in the station assumed to be contaminated now, all of the ships that are docked are assumed to be contaminated. Especially that one Scarin ship. We better get on there and see what we can do to stop this disease from spreading further. We also learn that it can affect non-Hynerians, which obviously otherwise this, there would be Who no point care? in this. But that it cannot affect uh, Nabari. Yeah. And, and this is, this is. It's great because it's Shiana panicking. She's like, you unleashed a deadly virus that's going to kill us all. And Nora's like, it's not going to kill you. It doesn't affect Nabari. And Shiana's like, oh, okay. No, Shiana has grown enough that she doesn't want Rigel to die. Which, honestly. Yeah, I mean. Really? <laughs> I guess she wasn't there for the whole him betraying the crew at the end of season one. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't. So, uh, Naranti says, don't worry, I can cure him. Probably. Probably. It's weird to think that Chiana was a, not late addition, but she wasn't part of the original crew. It is weird to think. She fits so well in. Naranti, I, I, I love the way Naranti, like, clarifies things. She's like, I didn't infect anyone i just exposed people <laughs> and john's like okay look are sebations me into it and Naranti's like mm, no and chiana's like well Aaron's gonna die before we get the chance to rescue her at this rate and you know what she Naranti stands her ground she tells john look you wanted me to put the station on lockdown i put the station on lockdown this is what i had to do now you go do what you have to do to make sure that the lockdown that I assured you is worth it. Like, yeah, like I did my part, go do your fucking part. I bought you time. I also put you on a clock because now Aaron's going to get infected and die. But I bought you time. Yeah, that clock wouldn't exist. They would just be gone. So we get a scene where the Scarens are basically fighting with the station manager because he wants to get back down to the planet and the station guy's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to let you go contaminate my entire planet and kill all the people on it. So no. It's weird that the rest of Sikosu's people don't have curly hair. Like, I mean, I get that that's not a thing that needs to be like an everyone thing. It, it doesn't need to be like a species wide thing. It just seems interesting that they don't. Yeah. They've all got like feathery hair. You know what? Their hair all looks like the hair that, she had when she was Stark in the alternate universe that you hate so much. Yeah, actually, yeah. And I kind of, I kind of like that hairstyle, to be honest. So John's all mad because you know Naranti unleashed a deadly, deadly disease, and Scorpius is like, "Look, it just means that we have a time frame. Like, stop being a goddamn baby. Just let's go get Aaron." John, all he, all Naranti did was give you a ticking clock, which is fine. When have you not had one? So. Sokozu is trying to get the codes from the captain so that they can get on the freighter on the Scarin ship. And John's like, wait, I'm just going to honeypot that Sebation. There we go. And Scorpius is like, okay, you have fun with that. 
And so he does. He sees her and he's like, hey, you're a Sebation. I'm a Sebation. Let's go do what Sebations do. You got a little peacekeeper in you? You wanna? Yeah. He's like, man, I haven't seen a Sebation woman in six months. And she's like, yeah, not interested. Get thee away from me, peacekeeper scum. I, I like, I, I do like, he's like, look, I haven't had sex at all because I don't have sex with aliens. And she's like, well, I don't have sex with fascist peacekeeper. You work for the Scarin, so either you do or you don't have sex with anyone. I think she probably doesn't have sex with anyone. Yeah, probably not. I, I guess sex with the Scarin isn't a super survivable thing. No. So he tries to seduce her instead of with his penis with uh, what he tells her is the cure for the disease. Mm. So she doesn't really believe him, but he holds out, hey, I know that you're a medical worker, right? You could bring it onto the ship. You could test it. You could replicate it. You could be the hero. You could save that anyone else that you might have on your ship. I feel like it's weird that she doesn't know what John looks like. Like, they're hunting. She's part of a group that's hunting John. You'd think they would at least know what John looks like. Yeah, yeah. So, on the ship, she's going to go test out the powder, and he's going to wander around and find Aaron. See, this is how you get fired, lady. Or murdered by space dragons, I guess. Well, that is how that, that is how they fire you. Yes. They fire you from an airlock! Uh, I, I was going where they fire you with literal fire to death. Yeah, yeah. So John sees Aaron, you know. It's weird. It's weird that she brought him to the, the sick bay where Aaron is. Like, and just let him see Aaron there. Like, that is strange. Aaron assumes that she's hallucinating again. She tries to push him away. And she's like, I, she, she like refuses to look at him. She refuses to engage with him. And this is what Scorpius warned John about. It's not exactly. Scorpius warned John that if they do manage to rescue Aaron, she will have been driven insane by the Scarens, which this isn't that exactly. Mm, you know, I didn't make that connection. That that was similar to what Scorpius told him. But what actually happens is he can't get her out because she thinks he's a hallucination. And instead, the, they grab him and throw him in the chair. And the... Scarin starts heat interrogating him and he's like what was your plan and he's like I was gonna take her back to my ship and fuck her all night and have her her babies yeah like I really really wanted to have sex with that lady and the guy's like well he's not lying right and I, I it's gonna happen later but Scorpius comes and is like hey that's my that's my spy give him back and takes him off the ship, and then he, Scorpius asks him, "How did you, how did you survive the interrogation? Was it, was it from all that training we did in the boys' night out episode?" And he's like, "No, I just, I just told him the truth." Yeah, the truth is that I want to bone Aaron. Like, I said, I, I said my plan was to bone Aaron all night and have all her babies, and that is my plan. Yeah, and Scorpius comes and he's like, "Let go of my guy. This is let go of my boy." And the guy's like. He's trying to recreate with one of my prisoners. And Scorpius is like, well, I, I'll I, take him back and I'll give him a, you know, don't do that spanking. Have, Let, I, have, I, have I mentioned how much I love that the peacekeepers use the phrase recreate to mean sex? Because I do. I do love that. I actually think I stole that from my sci-fi comic. 
Oh, you did? Yeah, I, I, I believe that Kim of the Unyielding Dawn refers to sex as, uh, as recreating. It's great! Also, as we remember from that one part in Stargate, it's not like anybody knows what this is. If you're going to steal, steal from shit nobody's watched. Hmm. So Sikozu has fallen for this dashing young whatever the hell they are. You know, I said that this was the same one that Shiana was flirting with. I actually think this is a different one. Uh, I thought these were these two guys were one and the same when I watched this, but now I see that they were different. I mean, it's really easy to get them mixed up. They're the same basic character. Yeah. It probably would have streamlined it if they were the same dude. Yeah. But she's having a torrid romance with this guy. I guess she forgot she's with Scorpius. Because... When, you know, they first had her flirting with him, everyone on Moya was like, oh, it's just for information. But she's made it very clear that she is actually into this dude. Yeah. And she does not have that much loyalty to the crew of Moya. No, she does not. Like, she gets along with them well enough. But, like, if she sees an opportunity to do something better, she will ditch them. So, back on Moya, Naranti gives Rigel a cure and is like, hey, um... I have a cure. Good news, bad news. Good news is I have a cure. Bad news is it only cures Hynerians, so hopefully no one else got this disease. And she gives it to him. By the way, the shit they did to that puppet, uh, that disease looks fucked up. Oh, yeah, this is all... That is a plague. Yeah, there are boils and pustules and... His so... skin looks like it's peeling. It's gross. It, it It's gross because it looks so painful to me. Like, ugh. It's very visceral. Naranti gives him the quote-unquote cure, and then he immediately dies. Rigel's dead. No more Rigel. We're done with Rigel on this show. Bye, Rigel. You occasionally weren't always a hindrance. But on the station, Shiana goes to flirt with that guy again, and he is super sick. He is gonna die. Wah-wah. I mean, this is serious business. Oh, no. Not, what's his bucket? Oh, he also is covered in pustules, and it also is horrifying. Um, We cut back to Moya to see that Rigel is not, in fact, dead. He's he's only very nearly dead, and we are informed that that guy died. We are informed by the station manager telling Naranti that this disease has taken one person, and she needs to... Figure out how she's going to cure everyone. I like how Scorpius goes to the, the Scarin guy and he's like, the healer says that she needs more ingredients, specifically something from a Scarin prison ship. Hey, you have a Scarin prison ship. Why don't you let us on? And the Scarin's like, yeah, we're not doing that again. I know you're up to something. Right? This is the third different time you've tried a different way to get on my ship. Clearly you're after something. Also, how isn't any... Shouldn't everyone be aware of Scorpius at this point? I, I, you know what? We talked briefly at the beginning of this episode about why did we move from uncharted territories to tormented space. I think this is actually a pretty good justification for doing that. But I mean, the only reason they're looking for John is because what's her bucket was hunting him. And if they're aware of what's her bucket, they have to be aware of Scorpius. I guess. But I, I mean, in the uncharted territories, I feel like everyone knows who Scorpius is here. Not so much. Except wasn't his psychic training thing or whatever in Tormented Space? I mean, I guess taking a class in a particular place doesn't mean you're well known there, but... 
I don't know. I feel like if you're aware of John Crichton, you have to be aware of Scorpius. So, on Moya, they're formulating a new plan because their old plan hasn't worked at all. They got schematics of the station. They're going to basically do like an EMP pulse, run onto the freighter, grab Aaron, and starburst away. This is also the plot of the movie Widows. Yeah. Well, most heists, because uh, like most heists, it has the, oh, this didn't work. We have to come up with a new plan. I like the, the fact that they acknowledge spoilers for the movie Widows, but that a lot of heist stuff in real life basically just ends up being you run into a place, grab stuff, and then run out. Mm, yeah, which is the plan here. Sukozu asks what happens if the Skyron Freighter takes off with Aaron on board, and John's like, then we follow it forever until we catch it or we die. And then he looks at everyone else and he's like, she's new here. She doesn't get how we do things. We all fucking die to save Aaron. Just ask Zan. Dang. Sukosu is so far removed from Zan. <laughs> even though, even though, as per our previous discussions, it's the same player. Hmm. I thought Naranti was a... No, Naranti is the... Is them making fun of Zan. Is them making fun of Zan. Is a player played by the NPC making fun of Zan. So, Naranti gets onto the freighter, finally. She sees Aaron and she's like, wake up. Don't talk. And, okay, again... I am a healer from another world. And I believe I can heal her, but I have to take her off this prison ship and bring her somewhere else okay but we're getting more of that uncomfortable pregnant women not having bodily autonomy stuff happening because the scarin wants to make sure that the baby is saved so that they can use it for the dna encoding finding wormholes through dna thing and he knows that nabari are immune from this disease so, as everyone knows, as is common knowledge. Right. So he orders his people to go find that Nabari girl so that they can put the fetus inside of her instead. Again, weird point of connection between this and Charmed. Because the last episode of Charmed we talked about established that the seer had a spell that would allow, you know, an unborn child to pass from one vessel to the other. Yeah. To another. But, yeah. So they grab Chiana and they're going to use her for impregnation I, I can't i can't i can't emphasize enough how creepy this is like both sides of this coin the like having your having your fetus forcibly removed and also being forcibly impregnated like on both sides it's horrifying i just oof oof i like that chiana remembered that she can high jump it's something that they used once and it comes back in this episode well i think it's because they have to rig her up every time they do it. Like, Gigi Edgley wasn't going to wear that rig all the time. Yeah, and and we don't see her do the going up part of the high jump. We see the coming down part of the high jump. And also, we don't actually see the kidnapping, which is weird. Like, she, she jumps, they grab her, and then we immediately cut to Sokozu yelling at Pilot for not stopping it from happening. And Pilot's like, well, Pilot says I wasn't aware it was happening, but also, what was Pilot supposed to do? <laughs> He's... He can't move. He's in the console permanent... Are you... Sukozu's the one yelling at him. Sukozu, you are an expert in Leviathans. You know that he can't do anything from there. And then it's horrifying. There's this whole thing where Naranti is refusing to help with the procedure. And she's saying that Aaron might die. And the, the 
So the Scarens don't care because they just want to save the fetus. Again, too real, too relevant. Yeah, and they, they strap Aaron and Chiana into this machine, and it's digging into Aaron with these, like, metal hook things. There's a horrifying thing where they want to use the painkillers on Chiana because Chiana needs to be able to receive the fetus, but they don't care about Aaron because, again, they don't care what happens to her. Yeah, like, Naranti's like, give her, give her painkillers or she might die from this, and they're like... It doesn't matter what happens to her. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Chiana kind of spits at them, and they're like, oh, she's got spunk. If the fetus dies, we're going to kill you, you both. We're going to kill both of you, because there'll be no point to either one of you being alive if the fetus dies, which... Again, too real, too relevant, 2023. Mm. Oof, I hate it here. Scorpius shows up, and it's like, hey, uh... Can I talk to you for a second? Can we... Can we have a chat, please? And, uh, he... He's like, hey, uh... I, I know that your prisoner is, is Aaron, and, uh... This whole rigmarole you're doing with the fetus, I can actually get you John, which is the thing you want, but not if you kill Aaron. Yeah, like... I can get you the guy who actually has the wormhole knowledge. Not this weird extra steps getting the epigenetic memory from the fetus thing that you're doing now. Meanwhile, Sakosi's wandering around. Well, she's doing her plan to activate the EMP field. But when she does, the guy she's been flirting with shows up and is like, hey, no. Did you forget? I, I work for the Scarens. We all work for the Scarens. We, we work for Scarens. And she's like... Hey, so I've been hanging out with these weird losers who have taught me that it's cool to care for other people, so you want to give that a try? Which is not, I feel like, the lesson you would pick up from the Moya crew, but okay. Sure. Well, I mean, they, they did all just say that they were going to die for Aaron, so... That's nice if you're Aaron. Yeah. John's got his guns because as soon as the EMP field goes off, he'll be able to actually bring his gun onto the ship... And Naranti is getting ready to perform the procedure, but of course she's stalling as long as she can because she is also waiting for the power to go off so that she can save Aaron and, and now Chiana as well. I do really like that Sakosu gets through this whole speech about the importance of friendship and the guy's like, that's interesting. I'm still going to shoot you. And then Darko just knocks him out with his knockout tongue and he's like, that was a giant waste of time. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but, but by the way, she's not just talking about the power of friendship, although, I mean, that is the undercurrent of what she's saying, but she's saying, like, hey, the Scarens are holding people hostage, we shouldn't stand for that, and it's like, Sakazu, do you know your audience, girl? Like, you're all kind of held hostage by the Scarens, like, your whole race. Remember your backstory? I guess they just don't think of it like that. Yeah, which fair. that's fair. That's fair. And she basically, it's weird how much she is, Jewel. She's basically like a college student. Yeah. This is her semester abroad. Semester abroad on Moya. Mm. She learned all sorts of things. She's going to have she had sex with all sorts of aliens. Are you talking about Scorpius? Because I think we'll, is she going to have sex with Dargo? No, no, no. She's not going to have sex with Dargo. So she is finally able to cut the lights and then everybody starts firing guns. All hell breaks loose. Uh, 
they take the main guy as like a hostage. The, uh, the guy who runs the thing who wasn't letting the Skaren leave without the quarantine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When when they go to when they go to grab him, he's like, I will I will kill Aaron if you try to take me. And Naranti's like, he won't because I just overheard this whole conversation that Scorpius had. He's he's not he can't kill her. And this guy's like, who are you gonna believe? Me or this unstable healer woman and john's like haha we have a history so yeah she shoved me off a cliff this one time yeah a couple times so yes they rescue aaron but the scarin keeps scorpius on board so they lose scorpius aaron is free scorpius is not i repeat wah wah yep and um as they're leaving sukozu jams the controls by having an orgasm at them no 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 you i i think you you might have missed yes she she has orgasm face absolutely but the thing is she's specifically hiding how she's doing it from dargo like she has her back to him and she is acting like she's doing something mechanical but she is using what looks like the scaring heat wave from her hand Huh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh... John's gun dog, because they're they're trying to leave, and a guy comes up and he's like, I'm not going to let you leave. And John's like, now, gun dog, shoot him. And the gun dog's like, work, work, work. Or rather, the Roomba. Uh, the DRD. Play the DRDs, yeah. It's it's kind of neat because John's running and he's carrying Aaron and uh, Darko's carrying Gianna. And then he's like, wait, are, are you okay to walk? And she's like, yeah, no, I'm totally okay to walk. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just kind of puts her down and she's running with them. It's cute. Yeah. They get onto the ship. They starburst away. Scorpius is still fighting with the other Scarin on, the, on their ship. He's like, I've got super strength, but I don't like using it because it reminds me of my Scarin heritage. And the guy's like, well, I'm all Scarin, so I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. And then he tries to use the heat wave to compel Scorpius to tell the truth about his mission. But Scorpius, Scorpius took that class. So he just vomits instead. He just vomits and urinates everywhere. Yep. Not, not useful. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to say, look, I know, I know Scorpius is a bad guy. Like, I get it. I get that Scorpius is the villain, but... They just had that whole thing with Sokozu about how they were all going to die to save Aaron. And now they're like, okay, we're going to take off and leave your boyfriend behind. And she's like, but I love him. But daddy, I love him. And Dargo just knocks her out with his tongue. Sokozu, I mean, I, I get it. You're more sexually liberate, but you seemed pretty into that other guy. Then he tried to kill her. I, I guess Scorpius hasn't tried to do that to her yet. What, what I, I mean, it's not Crace, so... What I mean is, you know, she wasn't around when Scorpius was chasing them, so she doesn't have all of those associations with him. As far as she's concerned, he's just her boyfriend, and they went to hell and back to save John's girlfriend, but now they're going to leave her boyfriend behind? Yep. That is 100% the case. So, John is reassuring Aaron that she's safe on my end. She's like, no, I've had this dream a thousand times, and he's like, you know what Yoda would say to that? Waka waka! And she's like, oh my god, I am on Moya! <laughs> He made a pop culture reference I don't understand. This must be real. I mean, actually, that would be a really good indicator. Yeah, no, I meant that. Yeah. yeah. 
It sounded like a joke, but it wasn't. And she's like, is the baby fine? And he's like, as far as I'm aware, the baby's fine. He's like, I don't like have any way of measuring Yes, that. yes, the baby is fine. You know, we're, we're kind of mocking it, but it is, a, it is a touching scene. Yes. Then we get then we get a scene of Naranti like helping out Rigel, curing Rigel, and he's like, "You almost killed me." She says, "I did not, though. I did not kill you, but I did kill other people." And she feels guilty about the the guy that died on the space station because of her. And she says, "Because of my actions, innocent people died." And Rigel says, "Welcome to Moya." I'm sorry, not buying it. Okay, here is what I wanted to say when I said, "Let's wait till that moment." Mm-hmm. She specifically says, because of my actions, innocent people died. And I think that there is a qualitative difference between innocent people died because of things I did and I, through my actions, killed a person that I chose to kill because of, they, of their behavior. I'm just thinking about the speech she gives to John's nephew. Yeah. In, in the thing where she talks about killing as a morally neutral act. And I'm like, that really doesn't scan with what happened here. I mean, she traded a life for Aaron. Like, she recognizes that what she that that's what she did. And I, I, I think that that has moral implications for her more than, like... I, I, she would have had, in my opinion, she would have had no issue killing everyone on the ship. All, everyone on the freighter, on the Scarin freighter. No issues with it. But a guy who did nothing wrong he didn't he wasn't even the guy who ran the station right he wasn't even like one of the guys who worked with the scarens he was just a traitor passing through and he died i just i don't buy it i don't buy it as a thing hmm. naranti feels guilty about like i mean i guess i see your point in that we've already seen naranti be morally gray but i don't know i feel like it's a good reminder on this show like on this show it's not the morality of this show is not i just i don't think naranti thinks about death that way no okay so i i don't have a problem with naranti having that response i understand you having that problem but i also think that it's less important what naranti thinks than that any character be voicing to us like hey by the way Killing is bad. No, no, no. Not killing is bad. I'm ho- Hopefully, hopefully everyone watching this show already thinks killing is bad. But voice to us, hey, these people kill innocent people. Like, they, they make those choices. Yeah. Remember when they blew up that ship full of children? They, I'm not going to blame them for that. The peacekeepers made those decisions. At the end of the day, the peacekeepers didn't have to make the decisions they made. They, they had the ability to save the children and chose not to. Or that time they accidentally genocided that race of people. That one was an accident. At the time they blew up the shadow depository. Those people were all criminals. Ah, uh, and thus deserved to die. Exactly. What is this, charmed? Just to be clear, I don't actually believe that. Um, but Anyway, John has a nightmare where Scorpius is a vampire and he's like, Blah, I have all the wormhole knowledge and they're going to use it to kill Earth or whatever if you don't. Yeah, you know, he, he actually, he, he has an image of himself as, as Jonathan uh, Harper. Parker. Yeah, and uh, Scorpius is Nosferatu, which makes sense. And Scorpius is like, remember, oh, 
first it's like, ah, it's Harvey again. But no, it's just, you know, it's just a your fucking dream. dream. But he is like, hey, remember, John, Scorpius pulled that chip out of your head. He knows what you know, even though he can't figure it out, even though he can't access it. He can still give the information he has to the Scarens and they can use it to get wormholes. So now you got to go save Scorpius. Ha ha. Wah wah. So, yeah, that's the end of part one. It should be like rescuing Aaron was super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Only one extra guy died. It's true. Oh, also, I forgot they shot the station manager. And it's weird because he's like, what are you going to do? Shoot me? And John shoots him. And Naranti's like, I'm impressed you didn't kill him. And John's like, I wanted to, but I didn't. But it's like, you shot him in the chest. Like, that scene. I don't, you I, know what that felt like to me? That felt like in G.I. Joe when they shoot people and then there's a voiceover that's like. Looks like Duke's going to be okay. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Like. Yeah, it was, what? So, like I said, this was a lot of place setting for next week, which is We're So Screwed Part 2, Hot 2 Katrazzi. And the description on Peacock is, Moya's crew travels to a Scarin base where Scorpius is being tortured for wormhole information. Okay. I, I thought the thing was that John was going to give him the wormhole information if he helped them save Aaron. Yeah. Doesn't that imply that he doesn't have it? I mean, I know he has more knowledge than other people. He doesn't have, like, the key. I I think the best way to think about it is that the wormhole knowledge is, like, a cipher. And John has the key and Scorpius does not. But he still has the information. Mm. Theoretically, he could get the the key. I, I think they should just leave Scorpius to die. Wow. Oh no, is that too harsh on the S&M torture murder alien? No, it's fine. So, segments. You know, we've only got three episodes left. Yeah? Yeah. We're, we're on the home stretch of this show. So we have some segments. Like John, we are in a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you? Honestly, uh, it, it's the implied relationship between the Scarens and the whatever the hell Sikosu's people are. Yes, that was mine too. Like, you get a lot of the nuance of the dynamic between these two species just in the way that they interact with each other it's it's very interesting yeah yeah i i agree um it it really does and it, it makes the world rich too because we understand the way that the scarens have taken over the world right the way that the scarens have conquered and subjugated these races and the way that it's different than the way we've seen the Sebations do it. Like, they, these these are both evil fascist regimes, but we'd see the different ways that they kind of control their territories. Like John, we are encountering strange alien creatures. Was there any creature design or makeup that seemed particularly, uh, that worked particularly well for you? The disease looked gross. Jesus, it was horrifying. Like, I don't even want to call it out as good because the body horror was terrible, which I guess is what you're going for. Mm. But god damn. Just skin bubbling. Oh, it just... And, like, not just bubbling, but then, like, sloughing off. Ugh. Ugh. It, it caused me physical pain to watch it because it, it genuinely looked like those people were going to be in pain. Mm. Like, John, we are looking upward at the wonders we have seen. What emotionally resonated with you this episode? The bit where Aaron's hallucination ends early on in the episode and she's just reaching for a John who isn't there anymore. See, for me, it was when the real John shows up and she doesn't believe it's him. Oh, wow. An Aaron moment. That's so unexpected. A John and Aaron moment? It's almost like Claudia Black is head and shoulders the best (laughs) actress on this show. 
There's one in every show we watch. There really is. I mean, it's funny how these, like, how we end up standing these powerful dark-haired women in, like, everything we watch. I guess you could say we have a type. Mm. All right, let's wrap this up. Our show is partially, that's what we're doing now, right? Yeah. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Mara Cruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show that we referenced in this episode. <laughs> Which or... is every television show on earth. You can email us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at ilovetvzines. Did we get a Buffy reference in? Holy shit, I don't think we talked about Buffy. Um, Vengeance Demons. <laughs> so until next time, I'm... I'm... So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Amongst other things. Space Spacebot.